Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. And we have got a real treat for you today, listeners. Uh, Estella Swain is an absolute, you know, we only have people with big hearts on, on, <laughs> on this show because that's the nature of what we do. And um, sorry, we, it's just me and the guests. Um, but that's the nature of the, of the show. We have people with big hearts. So I'd like to welcome um, uh, Estella to the show uh, and uh, with you and your big heart. You're very welcome. How are you today? Thank you. I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for making time. It's uh, uh, Estella's recording this at half past eight and she's already had two, uh, her, her time, she's already had two <laughs> Zooms already this morning. So she is, um, she's full of heart, but she's also obviously clearly full of action. Uh, if she's she's done two zooms by by half, <laughs> I'm still walking the dog at half the stage. <laughs> so, Asala, can you please uh, introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. Um... So my name is Estella Swain. I'm not quite sure in what capacity you want me to introduce myself. I have a lot of stuff to introduce, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess the personal and the professional we're looking for. Sure. Um, so I have three beautiful kiddos. Um, two, I was fortunate enough to adopt. Um, they were placed with me when they were two, adoption finalized when they were four. I have a one biological kiddo. Um, my twins are 18, um, newly graduated, and my youngest is 12. Um, so mom, wife, professional. I'm also um, newly minted, um, the acting bureau chief. Um, um, for our state, um, it's the Placement and Adoption Resource Bureau for our state child welfare system. So it's New Mexico Children, Youth, and Families Department. Yeah. Wow. Busy lady. Busy. Thank you for making time. Um, <laughs> so when I say this this phrase, uh, thriving adoptees, what does what does that mean to you, Estella? Um, to me, that feels like moving beyond the, the point of just surviving, right? It, it feels to me like progress. It feels to me like um, success. It feels to me like overcoming, um, breaking down those, those barriers. Um, you know, the, the whole not just surviving, but thriving um, and adage, right? That's what that feels like to me. Sorry? That's what it seems like to you. That's great. And um, so tell us more about your, tell us a little bit more about your, your story, if you, if you would. And uh, you're, just share what you feel comfortable uh, uh, sharing. Sure. Um, so I guess my, I, all of my life, um, honestly, um, I started on um, some, some action committees when I was 12. Um, um, was fortunate to be involved in those. So I think I've known my whole life that I was going to be involved in my community at, at some stage, right? Um, when I was 19, <clears throat> I bought my, my first house and moved into that house and um, big empty house. And I share that because then what came next was filling up that house um, 
quite by accident, right? So I got a call from my uncle. Uh, I got a call from the police, my uncle's special needs. Um, they said that there was an incident. They asked my uncle to if he could just come and stay with me um, for the night. And I was joke, he's been staying the night with me ever since then. And that was when I was 19. So um, 20 years now. Um, and through that came a whole lot of um, accidental on purposes. I <laughs> I think so. Um, I started taking care of him, and then um, the agency that I was working with also did um, foster care. And so his program manager said, "Hey, I think you would really be good for foster care. You've got this house. It's it's you. You know, you could fill it up." And honestly, I I never wanted kids. That was always my I was very goal driven. I was going to be this lawyer in New York. I was going to do all these and I was never going to have kids. And I'm like, no, it's not really my thing. Um, so then I always say she landed the hook, right? She says, well, you could just do respite. You could have these kiddos in, you could, you know, sort of babysit overnight, give their parents a break. And I'm like, oh, that sounds, that sounds good, right? I can send them back home. <laughs> so, so I started doing respite. And then from there, she told me about, you know, foster care was more co-parenting. So I, um, the kiddos that I was um, working with were medical, um, behavioral, cognitive delays, those sorts of things. So teaching the parents how to take care of them and then helping those kiddos go back home. Oh, well, that sounds great too. Let's do that. Right. Um, so then I started doing foster care. Um, I, they ask you in the beginning what you'd like to do. And my answer was, I want to take the kiddos that nobody else um, wants to take. Um, so that lended me in hospice um, foster care, uh, which at 19, wow. <laughs> I don't think you're quite prepared for. Um, so my first placement um, was this cute little boy. Um, and I don't mean to digress into my whole story, but I, I feel like, like this yeah. is what, what's brought me to, to here. Right. So it was this cute little boy, um, who he had his microcephalic hydrocephalic. He was blind. He wasn't walking. Um, I had to spend, um, three straight days in the hospital with him, learning how to take care of him before he could come home to my home. And, um, fell in love, <laughs> fell in love, um, was taking him to his appointments and he was getting better. They told me in the very beginning, he didn't have very long to live. Like, I think that you fool yourself into those doctors don't know what they're talking about. Right. He was growing. He was, um, gaining weight. He was showing these things that they said he was never going to do. So, and I think I, you know, told myself, He's not right until one morning I woke up to go get him and he had passed away during the night. And at which point I said, I'm not, I, I can't, that was the most heartbreaking thing. I can't do this anymore. Long story longer. Um, I took a really long break. They eased me back into it again. And I started, um, I decided hospice was not for me. That's not, <laughs> I, you only have right one heart that can break so many times. So then I started doing, um, doing that. And, uh, I got placed with my twins who was working very closely with their aunt to teach her how to take care of them, um, who she was also having some struggles and she was very uh, honest with those struggles. And um, one day had a conversation with me that she says, listen, I, I'm doing this because I don't want the kiddos to leave our family, um, but I can't do this and take care of my own needs at the same time. She said, the only way that I'm going to um, be happy as if you tell me that you're going to adopt these kids. And at that point, that was not 
even something that was in the cards, right? But I've had these kiddos for a long time. And to me, I felt like if I couldn't let, they can't go anywhere else. They can't, right? They have to go to aunt. <laughs> they can't go anywhere else. So her and I worked together and, and went through that whole process. And um, I think the really great part is that we still have that connection with the family. Um, the aunt unfortunately ended up um, passing away a few years ago, um, succumbed to some of those struggles she was facing, but I still will sing her praises to this day, but the kiddos have connections with their bio siblings, with their, um, bio aunts and uncles. And I think, honestly, I wouldn't be able to be as successful, um, without that connection for me, um, so they were placed when they were when they were two, adoption finalized when they were four. Um, when they were six, uh, I ended up having this baby that the doctors said I was never going to have. Um, and there, there's my, there are my kiddos. So from there, um, I've always worked in in the in some sort of public servant capacity. So I've worked with victims, I've worked with offenders, I've worked in the criminal justice system, I've worked in um, the juvenile justice system and the adult system. Um, I've worked in that whole career with um, folks who are um, trying to cope with mental or behavioral um, health issues. But in my working through the adoption and the foster care system, you recognize some strengths and weaknesses, right? So it had always been my goal to be able to affect some change that way. I think that people complain a lot about how things can change, how things can change and how they should change, but it's different when you are trying to affect that change. So when this opportunity came up, I thought, why not? I'll apply for it. I don't know what kind of experience they might see in what I have that thinks I'm a good fit. Um, but then I got the job of the foster care manager, um, which was overseeing the adoption unit um, and the um, foster care unit um, for our department. And then I was recently promoted to the acting bureau chief. So overseeing the whole adoption, foster and kinship. And I think in this role, particularly to be in that macro level of being able to uh, be the change, right? You you see a need, fill a need, and being able to help um, develop those policies and procedures and have input on them and, and your professional input as well as your personal input um, has been fantastic um, for me. I always say in, in public service, like you don't get bonuses, you're, you're not going to make any kind of money that's going to make you rich, but that intrinsic um, bonus is what really drives me. And I think... I just, I love the spot that I'm in right now. So that was a long-winded answer to your question. Well, that's great because the conversation we had last week or the week before, whenever it was, that was me doing the long-winded one. So, <laughs> <laughs> we're both, you know, we're, we're either long-winded or very passionate or both. And the passion drives drives the, the stuff that we share. And that's what it's all about. And um uh, I'm I'm so glad that. Or, or first off, I'm so sorry to hear that you you that the doctors were wrong about that little that little guy in, that you did in the hospice, um, the hospice fostering for, um, uh, and you know you thought you you was gaining weight and and didn't work out for for the little guy, um, but I'm so delighted that 
that you proved them wrong with your uh, with your twelve year old. That's that that's great. Um, so so this is the part where I like to and I, I like to ask really what you what's you you talked about when we talked about as you about uh, thriving adoptees. You talked about beyond survival. You talked about um, helping their kids progress. You talked about success. Uh, you talking. You talked about breaking down barriers. And I'm very so. I'm very keen to hear what you've learned over the last. Well, the the, the twins. Uh, they're going into the military. You told me last time. I think. Didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So my, they're, they're my daughter aging. shipped out on Tuesday. Sorry. My daughter shipped out on Tuesday. Wow. So I'm still in that like emotional yeah. ledge. <laughs> yeah, so it's three days. We're recording this three days later. Yeah, that's that's going to be a tough time. Um, so they've been with you for 16 years and um, you've clearly learned a, a hell of a lot over the last those last 16 years. And and you're 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 taking that learning into your um, into your professional life as well and to, 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 to drive the change so so what is it that you've learned about helping your kiddos thrive that you'd like to share with the with the listeners I think a lot, <laughs> a <Yeah>. lot. <laughs> um but for me the the main things that I've learned is um even though they're twins, even though they're, they're born minutes apart, um, one is a boy and one is a girl, that they are so completely different. And I think for a long time, I, I would have to compare them developmentally, um, physically, like those sorts of things. Like, you know, this one is really excelling here and this one is not so much excelling there. And it, it took me a minute to realize that they each are still individuals, right? And they there there isn't one plan that's going to work for both of them. And just really trying to meet them where they're at, um, and working through those barriers. I've also realized that my sense of normal <laughs> or my tolerance level it tends to be a lot higher than than most folks, um, because through this through this, um, both of them. Um, had some behavioral health diagnosis. Both of them had some mental health diagnosis. Both of them um, had some cognitive um, diagnosis. Um, and through that, I've learned that those are labels um, that we probably don't necessarily need to be putting on our kids that young. So at two, um, my son was diagnosed MR at the time, um, mentally retarded. Um, my daughter was failure to thrive. She was 18 pounds at two years old. Um, and she wasn't going to do all these things and he wasn't going to do all these things and don't expect these things. And, and of course, for me, if anybody knows me, the moment you tell me I'm not going to do something <laughs> is the moment I'm going to strive to get that done. <laughs> so, so, my daughter, now I say today, right, um, she wasn't going to walk. She wasn't going to be strong enough. She wasn't going to do all of these things. And like I just said, she just she just shipped out to the Navy um, on Tuesday. The strongest inside, outside young woman I've ever <laughs> had the honor of coming into contact with and, and being able to love and, and being able to call 
my daughter, my son, who was diagnosed MR is the smartest kid. (laughs) Um, I've come across. So I just feel like I've learned to not, to not listen to what they tell me, right. To listen to what my kids are telling me, to listen to what my kids are showing me, to listen to what they're doing and, and following those tracks. I will say that it wasn't an easy road, right. We had, um, we had a road <laughs> and I'm honest with my kids in that too. My, I've never hid the fact from them that they're adopted. I've never hid the fact from them that um, they didn't come from my tummy, right? Um, that they do, they, they did, their biological mom also passed away, but um, that was only just a few short years ago also. But the, But they are not just those labels, right? They're so much more than that. Um, so I've learned that (laughs) I've learned, um, to reach out for help. Um, sometimes you feel like as a parent, you should know these things. And I've always, I've always made it very clear that just because they didn't come from my body (laughs) doesn't mean that they were not manifested from my heart. Right. And I, I don't ever like to separate out. I hate when people say, oh, so you have your own kids too. And I'm like, they're all my own kids. (laughs) (laughs) they're all my kids. Um, But anyway, I'm sorry. I just know, I know I digressed on that because I really hate the language aspect of it too. But um, to reach out for help and to recognize that sometimes there, you, you do need that help. Um, Right. My, my son had some severe behavioral challenges. He used to bang his head into the wall until his nose would bleed. And it was because he didn't have that communication yet. Um, at three and a half, four years old. And I kept that inside, right? I kept, I'm, we're just going to work through this. We're just going to, we're just going to do this. And I think if I would have reached out for those early intervention services earlier, um, I probably would have a little bit more patience right now. Um, but to reach out for help when you feel like you need it to, to not be afraid to do that. Um, to not feel like a failure every time something goes wrong, because regardless if it's an adopted child or a biological child, you are going to fail. <laughs> and being okay in that failure is one of the hardest things to do, but also one of the the best learning experiences. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think those are my, my, my great takeaways. Um, just, I, I think I was also, I bought into the medication cures everything. Um, they pushed that a lot when they were younger, just medicating, 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 um, until we, we stopped that, (laughs) um, and let them just do their own thing. I remember having a conversation (laughs) with a teacher one time who was so frustrated with my son is challenging in the best way, right? He's, (laughs) if he's like me, right? If you tell him he's not going to do it, that is the first thing he's going to want to do. So I remember having a conversation with a teacher where she called and she was so frustrated. I felt like tears in her voice, right? And she says, I've asked your son to sit at the table, to sit at the desk and do his work. And he just won't do it. He's underneath the desk. And so I asked her, well, is he doing his work? And she said, well, yeah, but he won't sit at the table. I'm like, you think maybe it's okay to let him sit underneath the table and get his work done. And I think in that moment that she was like, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. That's okay. Like stop having those power struggles. If we can just meet them where they're at, if they're still getting the job done, if they're still doing these things that they need to be doing, could we 
maybe be a little bit flexible for them. So I think I've learned that too, to be flexible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not a parenting coach. Uh, I, I, I do hear people saying, um, you know, pick your battles wisely, you know, <laughs> and um, uh, that, that teacher was was making a battle and then you asked her a simple question she had a a new idea and a bit of a you know slap on the forehead dough yeah why didn't I think of that before obviously she she, she's in a professional role so she probably didn't feel that she could say that but yeah you know you asked quite a simple question she had a shift in her perspective and she thought ah okay I don't need to I don't need to pick that battle anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I'd, I, I think um, I'd like to dig a little bit into is the, the label stuff um, and how you see that maybe on a bigger, you know, from perhaps from your professional perspective, the labels that, adopted kids and foster kids get and, and this kind of narrative mm-hmm. we were we were we were talking before I came on about this thing called uh, that I've discovered recently called post-traumatic growth so we live in a world that um, puts a negative spin on most things and um, and it puts a negative spin on uh, adoption and fostering sometimes you know um and for me that can become believing you clearly haven't bought into that no. <laughs> um but that that negativity you know i was we did mention that last week you know i was accused of toxic positivity in a, in a facebook mm. group you know and i just thought well how much hope don't you want Right. Wow, that's interesting. I've never heard that term at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't. I, I, I'm not hanging out in many of these groups anymore, actually, because they're just full of people who are in a lot of pain. Adults, adopted adults, are in a lot of pain, and are sharing that, sharing that with the world. Yeah. In, in the in their pain, in the in the same way as. You know, they can't communicate. They're struggling to communicate and they're in the pain. I've, I've been in some of that pain. Um, but, you know, in the same way as your, 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 your little boy was um, banging, the, banging the wall because he couldn't, in his frustration, they're just expressing their pain as adults in a different way, I guess. And that whole people is, you know, like hurt people hurt people. So... The, the, the woman that accuses me of toxic positivity is hurt. So she tries to kind of hurt me. So um, what, do you, what do you make of all, all that in terms of that, 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 that negativity that there is around our world of adoption? I, I would say that from 16 years ago, it's definitely gotten better. And I could at least tout that for my state. I really feel like they've gone in some really good directions in some really 
positive um, directions. I think it's important to be honest, but I'm not quite sure when the honesty turns to um, negativity. Does that make sense? I mean, I think if you have this kiddo in your home, it's nice to know what sort of behaviors they've exhibited in the past, what sort of things you you might experience. But but when that then turns into this kid is bad, right? This kid is all of these things we've said about them. This kid is PTSD. This kid is, is MR. This kid is all of these things as opposed to this kid is Jack, right? Yeah. And, and let's see what Jack tells us and let's see where Jack leads us. Um, so I think that we've come a long way in that for my state. Um for many states. Um, but I, I noticed that where we're at is who is this kiddo? I, I just got the privilege to be a part of this team. Something happened, um, here that caused the displacement of, of 16 kiddos, um, that then created this village, right. Of providers in within inside our agency, outside of our agency. And I got to sit in on these staffings. And the most beautiful thing to me was we started with the kiddo's name, his age, what he likes, um, what he likes to do, um, what he's been doing since they've been, um, working with him. And I thought, wow, that was great because so many years ago it was, you know, AM has PTSD and he has this and he has this and he's done this and he's, you know, sexually aggressive and blah, blah, blah. blah. And I was like, wow, how nice that we just started out with who the kiddo is. Um, and then to see some of these workers really advocate for this kid. Like, I know that this was in his past and we haven't seen that in, you know, today. We haven't seen that today. We haven't seen that yesterday. Um, so I feel like we've, we're coming a really long yeah. way in that right and how how have you how have you uh coped grown developed in the last in the last 16 years to to help your your three kids that's right um I think being honest and transparent with them too, modeling some of that stuff, I've been broken, right? And they've experienced that brokenness. They've experienced um, some really bad things. Um, unfortunately, I was in a, it was in a bad relationship and my kids experienced that, right? And I, I was honest in that healing process. <laughs> no, I'm not okay today. <laughs> I'm not okay today, but this is what we're going to do, right? And allowing them to be okay in that moment they experienced, then some more trauma on top of the trauma they had already, they had already experienced. So I think modeling for them that it's okay to, it's okay to sometimes sit in that, don't sit in it too long, um, but then modeling how we get out of that. Um, I really try to be transparent with my kiddos um, and honest. Um I totally just lost sight of that yeah. question yeah. you asked. So I, I was asking how you had how you had grown and developed, oh. and um, uh, uh, yeah, how you you grown and, and, and developed and, and thrived, and, and learned what is it that you've kind of learned about yourself that's allowed you to help your your three kiddos. Like. 
Okay. And, and owning who you are. Um, I will say that I change daily, right? I, I grow daily. Um, maybe sometimes <laughs> I could have had more growth. Um, and sometimes, you know, we just sit and bask in the sun, but, but owning that, I think one thing I've tried to instill in them is that you are not what people say you are, you're, you are who you want to be and keep moving towards that. Um, and my kiddos have, have, have seen that in me. I think I've, I came from a very shy, meek, definitely had some self-esteem issues to, you know what, I'm happy with who I am right now, right? Like however many pounds overweight, however many, uh, you know, acne on my face, however many, whatever, I, I'm happy today. Today's a really great day. Um, and just sharing that it's okay for them to, to be that way too. So we've grown that way. Um, but also not being our trauma, right? Like our trauma happened to us, but it's not who we are. Um, and really utilizing that sometimes, um, I always, I always try to like a metaphor, our trauma is, is that pole in the pole vault, right? Like sometimes that can <laughs> catapult us to some really great places. And sometimes it can catapult us to some really bad places. Um, Especially when the pole snaps. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My daughter told me one time that she wished, um, she wished she could forget about all of that. And so we had a conversation about how that would be nice, right? That we could forget about it, but how that is our protective mechanism in us that we don't forget about it because we remember those experiences. It helps us to learn and grow and not, not have those experiences again, or if we are having those experiences, what we can do about them later. So, um, these are gems that, you know, when I said I was, accused of toxic po positivity that was on the back of a, a post that I put in, a, in, a, in an adult's Facebook group and, I, and, and the post was uh, adoption is something that happened to us it doesn't define us and I got like 120 likes 30 loves and then 10 or so negative comments to that um, uh, and, and that one of those ones was the toxic positivity stuff so uh, I think what you seem to be, you heard that phrase from Gandhi, who says something like, be the change that you want to be, that you want to see in the world. Have you heard that? Yeah. I have, yeah. Yeah. So that's what it seems <clears throat> like, you know, you're, uh, you're doing quite, you know, naturally and intuitively. Like, you know, so, so some people talk about hacking, you know, ha you know, hacking and, and, and strategies and all this sort of stuff, you know, 10 ways to do this and 15 ways to do that. Uh, and that, that's not what what you're doing. What you're doing is co you're coming from your heart and being open about who you are and the ups and downs that you're going through when you're feeling down so that you're kind of making it OK for the for the kiddos to 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 be down you know like my uh one of the ladies that's been instrumental in my life my kind of mentor coach lady she says like it's okay um if we're okay with not being okay we're always okay 
yeah? <laughs> you know, we've got this kind of emotophobia. Uh, another another mentor of mine talks about emotophobia, you know, so, um, you know, how, how are you doing? Uh, and then if you say you're not doing well, then, oh, you get all, you get all these people swarming up. What's wrong? What's wrong? Well, well I'm just having a, I'm just having a tricky time with the rubbish in my head at the moment. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be okay, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. If we're if we're if we're okay with not being okay, we're always okay. But the, we don't. We're people rushing in to 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 help us. So these and this label stuff for me is incredibly powerful as well because you know something that is is a behaviour that then then it becomes an identity and then if you like you don't you're refusing to like if you'd bought into those identities your kids are going to do what you do what you did and right. they're gonna and and, and, and they're gonna well the, your, your daughter wouldn't have shipped out for for the for the navy on, on tuesday if she bought into those labels. I mean, what did you say that she wasn't, they told her she wasn't going to walk. Did you say that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That she wasn't going to be. Yeah. Cause she wasn't walking um, at two years old. She wasn't going to be strong enough. Um, she was always going to be this frail, fragile being that she was at that point. Yeah. So if, if somebody's um, listening um, with some going through some tricky, tricky stuff like that <laughs> at the moment, one of the listeners are going through that sort of stuff. What, what would you like to, to share with them on, on that? Um, I know that, you know, this too shall pass, right? We've heard that all, all of the time. And I talked to a behavioral therapist one time who really helped me with some insightful nuggets. Um, so one, one she said is every emotion is temporary, right? Every emotion is temporary, happy, sad, love. It's, it's temporary because it's always being replaced with something else. So it's just that time in between the replacement um, that is the hardest to deal with or, or that is, or that is the unknown, right? So, so for me, that that always helped. Um, but then also um, another nugget she shared with me is that um, every behavior um, is usually as a result of a change coming. So this is what she told me in order to get over. My my son had these tremendous <laughs> tantrums, so much so that you know you want to you want to sit in him with them. So she said. If you can look at the tantrum differently, right? If you can look look at all of these tantrums are ramping up because a change is coming. Um, it really helps you look at the tantrum differently, right? So I kept saying, I know this is hard. I know this is hard. I know this is hard, but a change is coming. And it always did. Um, a change always did come. And so I've really tried to translate that into me, right? Into my life, into my work. A change is coming. And it always comes um so so maybe that's helpful maybe it's not but that that really helped me and it is the truth you know change is what did this say oh that sounded that sounds like a bumper sticker um change is the only constant yeah i mean it it is coming this 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 is the truth you know what what you've done and 
what all parents do, I think, is they they hang in. They hang on in there. <laughs> they hang on in there. Um, I, 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 and, 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 the, and the change comes. I think where, you know, from the outside in, like, I think we, we as um, in the Western world, we find it hard, but we find it very easy to see our own uh, weaknesses and not our own strengths, right? So, um, and every, we've got the whole education system that's set up, and 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 the professional system is always about looking at weaknesses. We think that we've got an obsession with weaknesses rather than strengths, and therefore, you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to see our own strengths. So, what you've done is is you've just you've refused to to be like you've you've refused to um, uh, believe get you know. Um, buy into that's the word i'm looking for you've refused to buy in to the diagnosis um and stuck in with it and the changes come and look at what happens to the kids you know i think the thing that pops into my head there is do, do the scientists and the medical people and and all professions you know, you talked about wanting to be a, a lawyer um, earlier on, you know, when you were before you got into this role, you know, and you were going to be this York lawyer in New York and stuff. I I remember getting some advice from the lawyer when we bought our second house, and he said something like, um, "You know, I I have to protect you from the downside. So if they don't warn us." Of, of of stuff that might happen then well in the states we sue them right <laughs> like you're, you're a bit more litigious in in the in, in the u.s we're going your way as well unfortunately but you know is, is that is that what's behind is that what, what is it behind why are these why are these professionals um putting these labels on on kids and you know they're the ones wearing the white coats, so like most people would buy into them, buy into their labels because they're the professionals, right? So why are they, why are they doing this? Um, have you got a, a you got a, a, a handle on that? Maybe it comes from the lens, right? The lens at which they're looking through. We all have a different perspective, and we all have a different job, right? My job is to love and protect and to care um, and to, you know, just make sure that they're okay. Where, whereas maybe the clinician's job is just to figure out the problem, right? What is, what is the problem? And here's the problem. Um, and here's the name for that problem. And so this kid is that problem. Um, so maybe it comes from that. Maybe it, it, it I'm always like, let me try to find the reason why, um, because this person doesn't come from a malintent, right? I, if, if I can look at it that way, then maybe, maybe that's where it comes from. Um, and then we just, yeah, and maybe they just get caught up in this like triage state, right? Like we've, we've got all of these kids and we've got all of these problems and we've got all of this stuff and let's just hurry up and like sort of like a an army tent triage right like that's what I get in my head like let's just uh, get this done and then move them on so we can can do the next one as opposed to you know like I said this is a kiddo this is this is Jack this is 
you know, all of these really great things. Maybe, maybe it starts there. It starts from their lens. I don't know. That's, yeah. that's the best yeah, yeah. <laughs> answer. I, I, think it's an institu- I think it's an institutional lens, isn't it? It's a procedural lens. They're tied up in that thing. You know, they've been, they've been, um, they've been conditioned. They've been educated. They've been trained in this process, you know, like, and I think the army tent, uh, I'm thinking of mash, but you're probably too young to. I was thinking that. of mash. That's exactly yeah. what was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that used to be on like, uh, uh, you know, instead of, um, you know, before we had all Netflix and so many different cable channels and all this sort of stuff like that in, in the UK, um, you know, there was, when there was three or four channels, mash was always on like Harper's five. Um, when the kids programs are on, I thought, well, this isn't a kid's program. Um, but yeah, that is, they're all institutionalized, aren't they? Those, those guys, well, um, Hawkeye and was it TJ and I can't remember, um, <laughs> but they, they, they were, they, they were doing some homebrew, weren't they on the side or something like that and making <laughs> potions and stuff. So they weren't sticking to the rules, but the rules of the game, you know, they are, they, you know, they apprentice as doctors. And as you say, you know, uh, something comes in. The helicopters come in. Uh, radar gets on the on the radio, doesn't it, to tell it to warn the kids. And all these helicopters land. The, 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 the there's all these um, soldiers with the wounds. They come into triage. They they get treated. You know, you talked about the medication, and they're kind of like it's a conveyor belt, isn't it? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a conveyor belt to get so that they can save as many lives and fix them up as soon as they can. So that's the way um, most, of, uh, most of what we see in medical health, sorry, in mental health, comes from physical health uh, cultures, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So it's all about what's wrong. So they call it mental health, but really it's mental disease. Right, right. <laughs> it's mental disease. So there's something wrong with you because you're feeling this way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and as you say, they they went down that they went down that medication route. Well, you went down that medication route because that's what they advised you to do until you didn't. So what happened? What was it? Why did? Uh, what what happened with with the medication stuff um so so again anybody that knows me knows that i'm i'm anti anything foreign in my body right i i did get the covid vaccine um but it was you know more of a work thing but i'm if i felt like if i i barely take a tylenol right and but here i am giving my kids these like heavy duty medications and i'm thinking i don't even know what's in them I don't even know what's in them. And then I start looking up all of these side effects and, you know, one kid is having these tremors because of the medication. And I'm thinking, are, what are, what are we doing here? Um, I actually got in trouble with one of the nurses um, one time and we had, my son calls me mama bear because I, <laughs> I will mama bear in a second. And she was very adamant that you, you know, you have to give your daughter this medication. You have to give this to her. And I, and I'm saying, I'm not going to do it. And she says, um, I'll call CYFD on you, which is our, our children, youth and families. And I'm like, yeah, do that. You do that because I will also (laughs) mama bear with them. Also, you can't tell me what I'm going to put in my kid's system. And so, so 
in that particular instance, um, she was born with ventricular septal defect. She had a hole in her heart. And um, they were saying we had to put her on all of these medications to help heal the hole. And so I'm asking all these questions because that's what I do, right? And it it aggravates people that I ask all of these questions. But so she couldn't give me the answer. And I said, yeah, we're not going to do that. We're going to, we're going to do all of the natural things, you know, keep her healthy, let her exercise, do all of these things that I think are right. And, and she says, you could make it worse. And I'm, and I'm arguing you could make it worse. Right. So anyways, at the end of those, we have to go back and see her in three years. And I didn't give the medication in all of those three years, her hole closed up in her heart. Um, with wow. zero medication. Right. And so here I am, it could have gone the other way, it could have gone the other way for sure. But here I am like, yeah, this is what happens when you, when you advocate for your kiddos, instead of just blindly taking the prescription and, and, and going down that road. Now I didn't do it in a neglectful way. It was clearly we did the research clearly it, it, we did do some of those medical interventions that we needed to do, but, but it was just more justification, right? That stop just taking the prescription pad and doing these things because you did that for a kid before. And maybe that worked. Like my daughter is completely different sitting in front of you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, it, and it's, uh, it's interesting. I've joined that, I joined two of your stories together. So you, um, you know, what you were talking about at work was you focused when you had these 16 kiddos around the table it was it, the focus was on them w- what they liked and you know what their interests were what was right with them not what was wrong with them which is kind of the medical model and that they're kind of like the mental but why did they call it mental health when really they're just studying mental disease you know um, yeah. that's that's a that's a funny one for me um, <laughs> and the other thing was so uh, you know we, we mentioned this post-traumatic growth thing um the other the other thing the other great uh, so that was a great discovering this was great for me that like when you think when i think of the um your pole pole vault metaphor you know propelling us forward you know propelling us forward into growth we've been through some trauma and we move past it and we end up in a better place than what we were before so my my go-to metaphor on this is how I felt when I was in in a bad space about being adopted. So it was like my mood was my mood was the um, was the beach ball that you're trying to pour, you know, you're trying to force down. It, it, it's you know somebody's and 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 the and the the weight of the trauma, let's call it adoption trauma, that 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 sent me down. But then when I realized the truth of who I really am, the truth of who we really are, and the fact that um, when I saw through the, my, my trauma, the, um, the beach ball, it, it, it went, it bounced higher. It came out of the water. It didn't just go from two foot under the water to the surface. Yeah, it went like three foot up in the air, and that is yeah. post-traumatic growth for me. It's that the gap <sighs> between where the water, where the ball was on the surface of the water, and to where it landed up. Uh, and um, and when I was talking to 
to this a lady about this at lunchtime post-traumatic growth she said oh it doesn't exist well she's saying it doesn't exist because she hasn't experienced it right i've experienced it and i, I but nobody's ever no i've never had a name to put on it i've just had a slightly wacko metaphor um <laughs> to express that's a great it. metaphor i think yeah. that that's a great metaphor yeah um I guess it's it's childish as well. So that that's fun. Who wants to grow up, right? Um, you know that. So I've got I've got a name. I can I can call this post traumatic stress disorder. Uh, sorry, post traumatic growth. The other stuff that I found about you know we're talking about post post traumatic stress disorder. The other good news that I found out about that recently is that um, uh, eighty to ninety percent of people that go through traumatic stress events don't get post traumatic stress disorder. Well, why don't we hear this stuff? Right. Why don't we hear the positive stuff? It's nuts, isn't it? Absolute nuts. Um, so that's toxic positivity. That's toxic positivity. <laughs> yeah. Well, how, how good can you stand it, Estella? <laughs> you know, how, how positive can you stand it? How, how positive can we stand it? Do, do you know what I mean? Right. How, how, you know, how could it, how could it, be, how could, how can positivity be toxic? It just, it doesn't make any any sense right at all does it you know it doesn't stand up it doesn't stand up to um uh to closer inspection um i wanted to share another thing with you um, on kind of on this subject right uh, that i heard this week uh and this is a this is a guy i kind of i really and i admire this i admire this guy he's a tv celeb that does interesting stuff here in the uk um and he he said we're um we're a we're, we're all products of our environment what do you make of that like what does he mean by that or what how do i feel about that uh yeah do you, is that something that you kind of like does that intuitively sound like a good idea or the truth to you N- no <laughs> no, no. <laughs> me <laughs> me too i mean this guy yeah he He's, he's a he's a good guy. He's he's not a um, he's a he's a very reflective, seemingly very positive guy. But when when I thought that you know we're a product of our environment, well, that means that we were produced by w- what's happened to us. You know, mm-hmm. we are a product of our environment. So, but that means that we were nothing when we arrived. Right. So that doesn't stack, stack up to an environment, but it doesn't stack up to it doesn't stack up to closer closer scrutiny. So I think you know you're curious. You know, keep asking questions, keep asking the the, the medics the questions, and, and I, I think I am. That's part of the reason we don't we don't accept we don't accept the kind of the, the status quo, um, mm-hmm. and um, that's what I see a lot in adoptive parents. They are curious. They're more curious. The non-adoptive fans. Yeah. So um, we've been chatting. It's been great. Um, but I'm just looking at the time and I'm thinking you've probably got some other meetings to go to. I wonder if we could bring it, bring this in, bring this home. Um, what would you like to, what would you like to, to share? Is there anything that you'd like to share on the back of the last 50 minutes or so we've had? I just think that these conversations are great. And I think that these conversations should continue to happen um, out in the open and for 
um, adoptive parents, um, I would encourage you to, to have those conversations, not like the conversation starts at home, right? Um, an attorney told me one time when I was thinking, you know, we have this mass global issue. And she said, well, if you pull the GPS in just a little bit and focus on your street, it doesn't feel so um, overwhelming. So start those conversations on your street, right? At your table, at, with your friends, Um but to continue having those conversations and and to erase this toxic positivity toxic positivity I've never heard that before I don't know I don't think I ever want to hear that again okay. um, and I and 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 everything is not um, puppy dog tails and, and unicorns in in this world for sure um, and honoring that right and sitting with that but also uh, everything is not dread and dreary either um as is life right yeah yeah openness openness and um that's what you've been with your 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 kiddos and that's uh, that's how you've been on this show today and uh, yeah openness sometimes gets us into trouble doesn't it i, I sometimes yeah. trouble for <laughs> For, for I don't know, just talking too much or you know sharing too much, oversharing. Yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I don't. I don't think we can do too much of that, really. You know, I think. Uh, oh yeah, and um, the other thing that I, uh, this will make you laugh if you didn't like toxic positivity. So somebody said, well, that, that's all a little bit deep, Simon. You know, you're you're a little bit deep, and and I don't know whether I had the 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 guts to say it. Um, but what I thought was, what would you you rather I would be too shallow? Yeah. Would you prefer? <laughs> would you prefer I was shallow? Do you know? I mean, yeah. Because that's the opposite I, of that, right? That's, I, that's, that's that's the opposite. And no, I'd I'd rather not. I'd, I'd rather uh, talk about the stuff that matters rather right. than, than 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 the frippery. But um, deeps deep speaks to our soul and our heart right shallow speaks to our ears it doesn't get past that i love that i love <laughs> that so, thank you very much sure thank you very much listeners we'll see you all again soon bye thank you thanks Estella. bye-bye